0: What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? is The not another wrestling podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. Alright, let's get to it. Another, actually the very last special edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. The last episode but it's just the last special edition that we're doing here um i know i said sean was coming back this week i'm sorry couldn't make it um something came up and he had to take care of it we understand but we just miss him and want him to come back as soon as he can but he's working hard people he's working very hard but i'm having uh, a, a guest with me for this special edition making his third appearance on the show is john cummings what's up john
1: not much. How are you? Thanks for having me back for the third time now.
0: Of course, man. Of course, I like doing the. I like doing these special editions with different people. You know, we get to hear our kind of our opinions and what we thought of. We did uh, wrestlers of the de- decade with my my buddy Joe Stanziali. We did uh, matches of the year with my good friend Chris Reyes. We kind of just did one list here, but we're going back to like the wrestlers of the decade thing, and we both have lists of what we think are the best matches of the decade this is as hard as you think it is trying to come up within the past 10 years what what were the best matches and there were so many to choose from so many too many i mean you had great matches from wwe from nxt from uh new japan uh, Ring eight, of Honor. Ring of Honor. Uh, impact had some great matches this, uh, this decade, too. Um, even AEW, even though in it's only been around for a year, they've made a huge impact since uh, since day one. Since double- right, for the
1: past, they've made an impact over the past two years, only officially being a real company for, the, what, past couple months now? Or just the past year? The past year,
0: January 1st, was their first... Uh, their one-year anniversary when they announced the company. And you can even throw uh, All In in there as a precursor to AEW. Great matches from that show as well. But we thought about it. We took our time. Well, the amount of times I've been writing and rewriting this list the past four weeks is absolutely (laughs) insane. John just literally did his today, but he's confident in his list, and I am in mine. So we're just going to get right to it. So my number 10... And it may shock you a little bit. Well, not a little bit. You kind of saw my list before we started. But people who are yeah. listening, it might might shock you. My number 10 is Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes at Double or Nothing this uh, this past May. Can't go wrong with that one. I have it in here. I, I thought about it at first. I'm like, do I want to put this match in there? It's very fresh. It's very, you know, I don't know. Should it be there? And I thought to myself, you know... If there is kind of one technically AEW-esque or a match from All In that I need to put that that can go on this list, it's this. It, it,
1: it.
0: Yeah, it's this one. Beca- yeah. Because going in you thought to yourself we all knew like this the build and the story was going great. We oh, all, yeah, the we
1: promos all, I had on YouTube and everything.
0: Mhm. We figured that Dustin and Cody were going to a great match. Great match was an understatement. What, I... What? Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, you go ahead. I was going to say, there's the one thing that everybody kept saying going into this match was, what can a 50-year-old Dustin Rhodes do against his younger brother who's more agile than he is at that point?
0: Very true. And a big thing is, is that when he was gold dust in WWE... He wasn't really doing anything. He was just kind of sitting around. He was doing live events and maybe putting a few guys over here and there, but he really yeah. wasn't doing anything of significance. And Dustin knew he still had a lot left in the tank, and he still think, thought he had a lot to give for for the, uh, for the wrestling in general. So he uh, left the WWE, joined AEW, and him and Cody had the best match in either man's career.
1: Probably the best match so far in AEW company history right now.
0: I wouldn't argue against that. I I really, really wouldn't. The only other match match that I think can come close to that are the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers at All Out. But this match, I think I had to put in there because it goes to show that these two wanted to have an amazing match leading into a WrestleMania. Uh, I believe it was 31 of that year. There was the talks or the potential of it but it happened at a fat at fast lane the first fast lane pay-per-view and yeah. it, it just petered out and it didn't really feel important it meant nothing cody was doing the stardust gimmick which at times it was good but there are times where it's just like all right clearly they don't know what they want to do with him yeah so you fast forward all this time to where they are now to Cody being an executive vice president of a, of a wrestling company that he's helping run. His brother who may be in his 50s is you wouldn't even realize that. The guy can move with just about anybody. He can, he can go toe to toe with anybody. He can keep up just this past Wednesday on Dynamite, him and Cody had a great tag match against the Lucha Brothers, and he was keeping up with guys like Pentagon, Ray Phoenix, and they had a great tag match with him and Cody at a uh, Fighter Fest against the Young Bucks. Dustin can go, and he can still give a lot to the business, and and it's not, and I haven't even really gotten into too much details about this match. That yeah, these guys, there was emotion. there was. Blood everywhere. Uh, the, literally blood everywhere. Dustin had half of his face painted red. And when he got busted open, you didn't know what was blood and he didn't know what was face paint anymore because his entire yeah. th- head was covered in covered in red paint and blood.
1: Co- and eventually as you see it just hitting the mat and hitting Cody, you're like, Oh, oh, he is he is very much busted open.
0: And then Cody's covered in his brother's blood. It was people were emotional. It was a really amazing well done match and it proved that these guys believed in their story they believed that they can put on an amazing compelling match and they did and the WWE didn't give them the time of day for it so when i think back and like you said it probably is still AEW's best match in their in their young history right and i felt like it had to be a part of this list only because of the significance and the impact it made after when it was all said and done oh definitely that that,
1: that sent a shockwave around the wrestling world
0: i know and it just goes to show i i think that for the most part if you had ever doubted Cody Rhodes and maybe that he can't... Like, oh, he's not that great of a worker. You can't compare him to a guy like Kenny Omega or Okada. And even though his matches with Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada were great, Right. uh, If you were a doubter in Cody Rhodes then, you can't doubt him anymore. Unless you're my friend Joe who thought the match was just okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) like like, His opinion. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's on him. Perfectly fine, but... But anyway, we should uh move on. Uh John, what's what's your number 10 on your list? My
1: number 10 was Nakamura and Sami Zayn from Takeover Dallas in Ooh. 2016.
0: That's still to this day Nakamura's
1: best match in WWE. Oh, definitely because that brought over that that gave the people of WWE who had never heard of Nakamura the chance to be like, "Oh, what's he got about? What what's 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 he about?" And Sami Zayn just brought out the best in him they just beat the crap out of each other for what was it 30 minutes 40 minutes
0: like 30 35 minutes i will say real quickly though john and i do have similar matches on this list so you're gonna hear us give our opinions on the same match a little bit just real quick right
1: i won't go in too much in depth to it that way we save some for you but yeah the, the storytelling and the way they just beat the crap out of each other for that long Was great and gave people a feel of what Nakamura is bringing over from Japan.
0: I mean, many people, like myself, had never seen a Shinsuke Nakamura match up until this point. I was I was familiar with Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I had known a few things that he did in Japan, but I had no idea what I was in for. I just I just knew from. a guy I worked with who was watching a lot of New Japan. He had been following Nakamura's career for a long time. He told me that. He's like, you're in for a hell of a match. You are not going to believe the things you're going to see from Shinsuke Nakamura. And like I said, today, it, to, to, to date, it is still the best match of his WWE run. And it was um, the, the swan song for Sami Zayn in NXT.
1: Yep, because he got called up shortly, and he was pulling. Shortly after,
0: yeah, he was. He had that ladder match at WrestleMania the following day, right? To think what a workhorse. Just to think what a workhorse, Sami Zayn is. He, yeah. he, he had an amazing, hard hitting match with Shinsuke Nakamura, and then the next day he was in a ladder match. <sighs> Dude works his gotta ass it, off.
1: Gotta give it to the guy, of course.
0: Anything else you want to add with um, with this match here?
1: No, I figure we'll probably leave it for yours. Okay. Whenever you have it popping up.
0: It'll be up here. It's a bit of a spoiler alert. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of uh, similar matches in this oh, yeah. list. Um, so moving on to number nine. My number nine is uh, Triple H versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 28. So it was also in a Hell in a Cell match for those who can't remember who or who might not remember. I remember watching this... And um to me it's Undertaker's last really amazing match that he ever had. Right. So the one he had with Punk was really good. I was there for that mania and it was a lot of fun and still the best match in the card because of because of how great uh because Punk was really I don't know, I wouldn't so want to say carrying Taker, but he was really helping a lot in that match.
1: Yeah, calling it from within the match
0: Mm -hmm. he had a couple good matches with Lesnar um, one at SummerSlam 2015 and then he had another really good match with him at Hell in a Cell Um, after that it's like you can't really think of too many amazing Undertaker matches after that point I think that was like in 2015 so at this point it's 5 years ago
1: right didn't they do battle at a didn't they go to have a match at Battleground one year um or was that when Taker appeared after after his loss?
0: It was uh Rollins was the champion and Brock was getting his rematch for the title and then Taker interfered in the match to set up uh Brock versus Taker at SummerSlam later that year.
1: All right, there we go.
0: That's what it was. But um everything that went into this match with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee Triple H wanting that win over the Undertaker it played into everything from uh, from Shawn Michaels and Undertaker's matches at Mania 25 and 26 to the previous Mania match with Triple H to this match leading it was a perfectly blended story for for like two three years oh yeah uh and I thought Undertaker looking uh, with shaving his head, having that little mohawk, was creepy. Oh, yeah. it was so creepy, but so great. Um, my favorite spot in this match was like Taker was getting, well, Taker was getting pissed off at Sean He was pushing him around, and Shawn was referee. Sean hits the sweet chip music on Taker and Triple H with the pedigree, and I'm like, that's it, that's it, it's over, it's over, it has to be over. And when Taker kicked out, I lost my mind. I lost my lost. mind.
1: I'll tell you my favorite part, but like you said, we have similar ones, and I got I got I have this match somewhere else on my list, so I'm gonna save what I thought was my best part of the match for that part. But like you said, that was just, just every point of that match was just great. That was a great point of that match. I think so.
0: And again, I'll save a little bit for you when we get when we get to your part of it.
1: Um, uh, so, what is your number nine? My number nine was from Takeover Brooklyn: Bailey versus Sasha. For the NXT Women's Championship.
0: Well, uh, my number eight is actually Bailey versus Sasha. So let's really get d- deep into this. All right, perfect timing then. Okay, yeah, very perfect timing.
1: But so, it was the fact—the fact that you had Sasha and Bailey going out there at Brooklyn at the first takeover in Brooklyn. First for the Summerslam.
0: First takeover outside of Full Sail and in an arena.
1: Yeah, first sold-out arena.
0: Mm-hmm. It's what started. Big as,
1: skept- Big all. skeptics of them being um, can they do it? Can they do it? Sure enough, they did it.
0: Mm-hmm. It was the first time that oh, – I'm losing my train of thought here. Uh, not first time, but it was the trend that started what we see takeovers doing now. Right. Ta- we see a lot of takeovers in arenas now. We see them piggyback on SummerSlam or Survivor Series or Mania Weekends. Right. And, Certain pay-per-views. Mm-hmm certain pay-per-views here and there like i believe uh the first chicago pay-per-view was on a uh the day before uh, a backlash i
1: believe yeah. it was so More money in the bank or something like that
0: yeah money in the bank too i forgot about money in the bank uh so it does that and like you said it it was it was a thing of well it, actually the women in NXT were putting on some of the best matches in the entire company They're, exactly
1: it was Go ahead. Exactly. That That match was like pretty much part of the women's re- revolution, revolution that they had going on at the time. And it was just the fact that women can't go out there wrestling. Bailey and Sausage was just like, no, we, we know what we're doing. We're going to show you guys right now. And they sure enough went out there and threw it all down. And probably that was the best match of the card that night.
0: It was for sure the best match. And I think maybe to this day it's still the best match that i've ever seen live. Sean and i were both there and i had been watching i have been fully a huge NXT fan at that point and i was watching just about every week. I have been watching since like the the fatal four way takeover here in the but like when they exactly. had when they had the i can't remember they had the take our evolution i think it was when Zane yeah. won the title and Owen's turned on him. At that point i was Deep, I'm like, oh God, NXT is the best thing ever. And I was watching every week and I was watching Bailey and her story of how she's just been so close of trying to get the title and she just never does it and I'm thinking to myself I'm like, you know what They're probably saving this for a big, big moment, a big show right and a takeover for her to finally take the title And when I when I heard them announce Bailey versus Sasha take over Brooklyn, I'm like, that's it. this is it. This is Bailey's time so exactly. I, the heel work from Sasha Banks, Banks as well in this match oh, was, yeah. was spot on.
1: Oh, definitely. There's was a great storytelling on both sides because at the time, the main roster girls, the main roster females weren't doing that much. They hadn't started their revolution. NXT the- was still trying to get on, I wouldn't say on the map, but still trying to get their name out there for stuff. And Bailey and Sasha were just like, all right, we're going to go out there and put NXT on the map for everybody and we're going to put women's wrestling on the map for everybody.
0: I would and think- they just left it all out there. I would think so too. And the match made everybody see that not only can the NXT roster out-wrestle the main roster, but the girls can can out-wrestle the guys any night, any given night, showing giving them time, and that's what they did here. The main event of that exactly. sh- the main event of that show was Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens for the NXT title in a ladder match, but everybody was talking about Bailey versus Sasha. They oh, stole yeah. the weekend that year. They definitely did. It was uh, saying before about Sasha Banks's heel work. Bailey had previously hurt her hand. Now, I don't know if this was uh, a work to build into the match or if she really did hurt her hand, and they were playing it up anyway. But. Sasha targeted Bailey's hand, stomping on her hand in the ring. She had her putting
1: hands
0: it in the steps, right
1: between this. yeah in the steps, kicking the steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when she got her in the bank statement a bunch of times, every time Bailey was getting closer and closer to the the ropes, Sasha used her used her feet to kick back and roll back and use it against her and keep the bank statement in
1: even when bailey was reaching out she kept repeatedly stomping and, on that and, hand, and trying yes, to keep it away from the stomp- rope
0: and stomping on her hand in the hole i'm like oh my god she's like it's one of the matches where i can i suspend my disbelief and i truly don't know what's going to happen and then you bailey hits that like that poison rana from the poison spike rana from the from the top turnbuckle and hitting the bailey to belly just the crowd popping huge for this match and you having the, the four horse women curtain call afterwards it was mm-hmm. beautifully done and it's one of my favorite matches just in general ever and it's will always be near and dear to my heart just of how amazing it was
1: definitely that was t- such a great match
0: and we always like to th- think about what was and try not to think about what is going on currently. Right. Because there have been times when they kind of dropped the ball with this, but not trying to end on a low note. Just mm. This was the match to prove that the girls can go and the girls can have the best night match on the show if you give them the time to, and they will prove it.
1: And you know what? Even, even going forth from that match on, The women, the movement of NXT, just took just took the ball and were like, "Okay, we can roll with this now." Exactly.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so since we got into a bit of your number nine and my number eight, what is your number eight?
1: My number eight is Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Ronda from WrestleMania this from WrestleMania thirty-five.
0: I'm a little surprised to
1: be honest. I thought the whole build for that whole match was fantastic. The rivalry you had between Charlotte and Becky was just, was great. The fact that they inputted Charlotte in it with the SmackDown Women's title late on, it kind of threw things off. But the storytelling of Becky Lynch being dubbing herself the man but not having any titles on it and Ronda getting it handed to her, Charlotte obviously getting it handed to her. Becky just went out there and did it and the fact that they were the first three women to main event Wrestlemania they just went out there and left it all out there I
0: think this is the thing f- for me the match was not horrible I think it was good but again with the stigma of Mania being the past few years that it's such a long show that the crowd could just get so tired at that point where they want to give their energy and they want to be excited but there's only so much they can give I mean, right. Mania ended at, like, 1 in the morning
1: this year. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, and once again, I was stuck in that whole New Jersey transit debacle.
0: Oh, Jesus. So you were in the same boat as Sean then?
1: Yep, I, I was waiting out there for that train for four hours. Oof. I
0: had to drive my girlfriend back up to her house in Ramsey, and then I had to drive myself all the way back to uh, to where I live
1: and <laughs> Try I, and go to work the next morning.
0: Yeah, and I had to be up at like 6 in the morning to get ready for work and leave by no later, like 6.30, quarter
1: to 7. I had to be at work by like 2. Oof. Or not by 2, by like 5. And since I waited out in that rain, as soon as I got to work, I looked at my boss and was like, I'm wet. I'm st- I was at WrestleMania. I'm going home. <laughs> what was his response to that you sat out there I was like yes 5 hours for the show 4 hours for the rain I'm going home goodbye <laughs> <laughs> they were like alright have a good one <laughs> <laughs> at least they were cool about it Yeah. Anyway, getting yeah, back, the, getting the back fact, to the match real quick the storytelling of that match Becky Lynch coming, at, coming out victorious the first 3 women to main event to Wrestlemania in the 35 years just given the hand just given the fact that they've given the been given the chance to do so much over the past years. I thought that I thought that match was I thought that match was good and deserving.
0: My opinion of the match is that I thought it was alright. I thought that the go home segment, when they had that big brawl leading into mania, I thought that was the best thing leading into the story. And the other best thing I thought was when Becky just wasted little time no time at all after Ronda's match on Raw she says a lot of people think I'm going to be thinking and taking my time who I want to face I'm not taking my oh yeah he said like uh, she says like Seth Rollins may may be taking this time but who he wants to face but I'm not taking my time I choose you and the crowd popped huge for me this match should have stayed Ronda versus Becky it should have been Ronda versus Becky but I knew watching a Survivor Series like the previous year that they were going to do Charlotte versus they're going to make it a triple threat because Charlotte was had she had beaten the crap out of Ronda and there was story there for them to go at it again I'm like well it's definitely definitely going to be at Mania again it's going to be a triple threat match Yeah. and for me the building the build in that, in that match was all over the place because you had Ronda's real life husband getting involved for like a week and then he was gone you had Charlotte come in from out of nowhere. I get it was to build heat and to get and to when Becky finally brought herself back in, she was you know, it would make the moment sweeter when she won. Uh you know, making her apologize when she's supposed to be this stone cold uh, esque character, type of character in the women's division. Uh she apologized triple H and Stephanie, like, alright, you're cool, you can go back to Mania and Vince is like, Nah, you know what? Charlotte's in the match, you're not. And then completely jobbing Asuka to make it like... I get the visual and the marketing and the moment and all that. And Becky went, And Becky winning the, the match was the right decision to do. It was. Right. What kind of took me out of Becky winning was when she hit that crucifix pin on Ronda. And then right after she won, Ronda like, immediately got up and started complaining to the referee. And I'm thinking to myself... We we have all heard these reports and these things of of Ronda Rousey essentially being the female Hulk Hogan. She is the female Hulk Hogan. She doesn't like to lose. She doesn't handle losing very well, and she's never handled losses very well when she was in the UFC and she was in MMA. Right. And I don't hate Ronda Rousey. I don't. I actually think she's very she's very good and great for the short period of time that she was learning how to wrestle. And I think agreed. Her, and I think her best match. Ever is her match with Sasha Banks at the Royal Rumble last year that's that's my personal opinion I think that is Ronda's best match she's ever had Um, to me it kind of took me out of the moment of Becky winning when Ronda was complaining and if we all remember that's the last time we saw Ronda if that's the last time we saw Ronda Rousey ever in the WWE we see her complaining because she lost right right Again, I'm not taking away from the match. I just from the moment. The moment is great. Them main eventing is great. My personal opinion, I think the match was okay. It it was what it was, considering the time that it, the time frame that they had, and it was after. It was like one in the morning by the time it ended. Right. That's that's just my two cents with the whole thing. Um. Anything else you want to add about this match?
1: No, we I think we got it all.
0: Okay. It's more on I'm the ne- on it. more on the negative side for me, but Yeah. But um anyway, so going back to another match you talked about a little bit earlier, because it's on my list now. My number seven, we're on seven, right? Yeah,
1: we're on seven. Okay. I just did the same thing. I had a mark off on my list. I was like, where are we?
0: Okay. Okay. Number seven. <laughs> my number seven is Shinsuke Nakamura, over Sami Zayn.
1: I take over uh uh Dallas.
0: And This, Like I was saying earlier, this was the match that introduced me to Shinsuke Nakamura. It was the match that showed me what Shinsuke Nakamura was all about. And one thing we didn't mention before was this is where the Fight Forever chant started. These these two were just beating the ever-living crap out of each other that a new chant started. Do you know how amazing of a match you must be putting on if you if the crowd started a new champ because of it? Yep. That's amazing. Now me personally, I've there's only been a handful of times of Fight Forever where I'm actually into it. Now when I hear Fight Forever, I think it's a lot of like this is awesome and the chance being used way yeah. too much. Um But it was the first time it just felt organic. And you wanted to see these two fight forever. You wanted to see these two keep having this amazing match. Like, one of my favorite ma- uh, spots in this match, maybe my favorite, is when Sami Zayn was going for his, uh, you know, where he jumps through the the, the ropes and he does that spinning uh, DDT. Spinning DDT, yeah. Nakamura catches him and kicks him right in the chest. I'm like, oh, I felt that. Mm-hmm. It was beautifully done and not even the match, but Shinsuke's entrance was just oh. just made you go, "What? Oh my god! Is like, this? What,
1: it's almost like what did what did we just get ourselves into with a guy like this? I'm His like, entrances like this? It's like how, what did we just get ourselves into?
0: Like it was w- one of the most charismatic, unique, most amazing entrances I've ever seen, and he's just being himself. Yep, and for sure one of the best entrance themes." Just ever in WWE's so, recent such a, history, such such a smooth, violent sound. Yes, it's beautiful song, and I hope beautiful. that wh- I hope that when Nakamura eventually turns babyface, that he brings it back. Yes, um, but it instantly made me a fan of Shinsuke Nakamura. It made me go back and watch some of his stuff from New Japan, and. And then from then on, then on out, his NXT run was absolutely amazing. He started having great matches. Mm-hmm. He had a great match with Finn Balor on NXT TV. His series of matches with Samoa Joe. His matches with, yep. with Bobby Roode. Um, he was just, he was, the guy, and he was a rock star, man. Not to like mm-hmm. play up like that, he's WWE's rock star, but he felt like a rock
1: star. Yeah, and so far him, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Samoa Joe are still the only two two-time NXT champions.
0: Well, I think Ciampa will eventually win the belt again and he'll be a two-time NXT champion, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. But, yeah, they're the only ones. And, I mean, him winning the title was such a huge moment too. The pop he got winning the title oh. was enormous. So it was good that what that they knew what a a huge star they had in their hands and Triple H credit to him putting him in the title scene yeah right away after that match with Sami Zayn and then yeah, Sa- Tri-
1: Triple H Triple H saw that and even he said to himself he's like yeah I got I got a good one here I got, I got somebody that will carry on because I think Finn Balor shortly after that or right around that time was uh, already on the main roster wasn't he Or just about to get called up?
0: He was just about to be, because I think the main event of that show, he was facing Joe, and then he beat Joe. Then Joe won the, the title at a house show. Right. And then Joe defended it against Demon Balor at NXT TakeOver The End, which shortly after that, Balor was called up to Raw.
1: Right, so yeah, even at, even at that point, Triple H probably already knew that eventually Finn Balor was leaving him, and Triple H was like, okay, because Vince. I would, got I got good people that are still going to be putting on good matches for for this stuff.
0: Exactly, and and Vince was very high on Balor, and Triple H tried to make sure he didn't get him for a long time. But there's only so right, much well, Triple H could do about that.
1: Right, but hey, look how the future held. Triple H got his Finn Balor back.
0: Yeah, I mean he's got Balor's back where he belongs. Anyway, so we're at number seven. What is your number seven?
1: My number seven, going back to WrestleMania thirty-five, Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan.
0: Oof, that's a that was genuinely maybe my favorite moment I've ever been a part of at
1: a show. Oh, definitely, definitely, the fact that you, you had Kofi Bri- or Kofi Bryan, Kofi Kingston going in there against Daniel Bryan, who would already proved, who's already proven himself to be a worthy champion, and then Daniel Bryan reinventing himself into this new Daniel Bryan, going up against a guy like Kofi Kingston who's fought tooth and nail throughout his career to get where he was and to only to be missing out on the WWE Championship. Finally got his shot, went out there in front of the, what, 95,000 people that were at MetLife Stadium that, that night and just left it all out there and walked away with the championship. The storytelling everything, that match just...
0: I think a little more than ninety-five thousand. Like, MetLife holds, I think, like, what, like, a hundred eighty something.
1: No. Yeah. Not that big. No, they 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 don't hit triple digit. The stadium itself, I think, holds eighty-six thousand or eighty-seven thousand. Ah, no, no, you're
0: you're right. I'm thinking I'm thinking of um, uh, AT and T. Dallas, yeah. Dallas has the has the
1: triple digits. That's right. Yeah, they they hold a hundred and one thousand. Okay.
0: Yeah, but um, you you wouldn't think that a guy like Daniel Bryan who was such a beloved baby face would turn into one of the best heels th- th- in the past year. Yeah, in the past year. Yep. Like it is a testament to just show how good Daniel Bryan is that he can switch his character on a dime. And
1: from being that lovable lovable baby face everybody just looks at be like, "That guy can't do any wrong."
0: No, and and he does. He makes you genuinely hate him. I yeah. loved his heel uh, his heel run and I loved it just as much of the as much as the Yes Movement Daniel Bryan stuff, and Kofi. It, it, this all started when Kofi won a gauntlet match. Not won a gauntlet match, but he, he performed amazingly in this gauntlet match leading up to Elimination Chamber, and everyone's just like, "Oh, my, oh yeah, Kofi Kingston's great." And yeah. it was a moment that honestly I don't think would have ever happened. I don't think it would have ever happened. Like, if Mustafa Ali didn't get injured, then I don't think Kofi Kingston would have ever been WWE champion, and that's nope,
1: just... we wouldn't we wouldn't have had Kofi Mania.
0: And had he not won that night, I don't think he would have ever won the title, ever again, or, or ever no. ever at that point. I don't know if he ever will be champion again. I hope one day that he does. I but hope I... so too. But the fact is, there is a moment that he has in his career that no one can ever take away from him. He won oh. r- at Wrestlemania He won the WWE Championship And It's just This amazing 11 year long Journey where he finally Became champion And he finally did it yep. a- And seeing that image of, of Big E and Co- uh, Xavier Woods ho- Hoisting him up on their shoulders Him celebrating with the title with his family In the ring
1: Yeah with, the- with his kids in the ring
0: Yeah It's a
1: great moment uh, Bron- like the whole fact of Xavier, Xavier Woods handing him the WWE chant, the, yes. the old, before Daniel Bryan's version, the, the WWE championship, with his Kofi plates on it all on the side. It was just like, wow, that guy actually I, went out there and did it.
0: I think what made it so great, like, again, we talked about Bryan before, Bryan's heel work was so great in this match that he really made you feel great sympathy for Kofi in this match times when he had the LaBelle lock or now back to the Yes lock in on, Daniel, yeah. in on Kofi Kingston you thought no, no, don't let this be it you genuinely wanted to see Kofi win the title
1: yep
0: and for sure, for me it was one of the matches of the year it was hard Definitely. for me for me it was hard for me not to put it on this for for me not to put it on this list it was very hard but I had but there were so many other things I had to think about
1: yeah I mean just besides storytelling with that with that match, that's a historical match in WWE itself, in his yes, personal absolutely. life, and in, in the careers of people who want to be like Kofi Kingston in the storyline or in the history of WrestleMania. It's one of those things you can't take away from WrestleMania itself and you can't take away from Kofi.
0: No, no one can ever take that away from him. Never. Alright. So we went to our number sevens. Sevens, yep, now we're on number six. We are number six. My number six it's low on my list, and some of you might be surprised it's a low on my list. But my number six is The Undertaker versus Shawn
1: Michaels at WrestleMania 26. This- and ironically, I have this match at number six as well.
0: Oh, okay then. All right, then we can really get into it. Okay, so, There we go. Okay, so this was Streak versus Career. Now, I remember having their first match at Mania 25 on here, but then I realized that was 2009, that was not 2010. I had to switch that and I had to redo my list a little bit. Because I actually had that match a lot higher. So, the story of this, going back a little bit to the Triple H and Undertaker uh, WrestleMania 28 match, Hell in a Cell. This was one of those matches that built to that moment. And this was a match where Michaels was obsessed with trying to beat The Undertaker. He right, won-
1: especially coming off the loss the year before.
0: Mm-hmm. And he wanted to prove that he can beat The Undertaker. He, went, he confronted The Undertaker on Raw one night and said, I can beat you. Give me a rematch. Give me one match, and I'll prove to the world that I can beat you. And Taker said no. Taker was the world heavyweight champion at the time. He says then I know what I have to do. Then at the Royal Rumble, I have to win, and I have to challenge you for the world heavyweight championship. Shawn Michaels didn't win. Shawn Michaels was eliminated. Shawn Michaels was so obsessed with trying to beat The Undertaker that he snuck in the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, hit Undertaker with the superkick, helping Chris Jericho, his hated rival, less than a year ago, win the World Championship because he was so obsessed with trying to defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Taker says, fine, you want the match? You got it. But if you lose, your career is over. And the famous line... like I love this line from this promo from Shawn Michaels. If I can't beat you, I have no career. Right. And the stakes were higher. It was the main event. And you had to think, oh, no, it's the main event. This, this is it for Shawn Michaels, isn't it?
1: Yeah. You kind of, you kind of knew right there, like, oh, Shawn's, Shawn's officially probably going to hang him up.
0: I couldn't have thought of, at the time... Michaels was think, of calling it quits then there was no better person to end his career with than The Undertaker with the story they had right but even,
1: even in that match there were, there were points in that match where you look and you're like can Sean actually do this? Sean's career is not, not going to end
0: I really wanted Shawn Michaels to win I really wanted him to win because Shawn Michaels was one of my absolute favorites growing up as a kid and I just didn't want him to see him retire and he retired in an age where he easily could have kept going if he wanted to. He could have. But he realized that it was better to leave him wanting more um, when you retire because you don't want to get to a point where where people are saying, please retire, and they yeah. they call you washed up. Shawn Michaels, forgetting the match he had with Triple H and uh, – but DX and uh, Brothers of Destruction back of the
1: one of those Saudi shows. You kind of like to forget I thought, about what's that? I thought that was at the uh, the Super Showdown in Australia.
0: No, the Super Showdown in Australia was Taker and Triple H, and then that set up DX versus Brothers of ah, Destruction. Okay. Um, putting that match aside, you like to forget about that. Shawn yeah. Michaels' like true true last match was this match, and. I don't think it was better than the first one. I think the first one is is the better of the ma- of the two matches. Um. Again, it was, but it was it was such an amazing show, amazing thing to see. Like, and it's like, man, Shawn Michaels is done. Yeah. It was for sure. Uh, you know, you go out swinging, and I it's been a while since I've seen this but wasn't like the last moments of the match where Michaels is just barely trying to stand up Taker like has him on the head he's wobbling on his two feet and then he gives him the suck it and then Taker hits the tombstone that's it
1: yep yeah it's the perfect storybook ending for a guy like Shawn Michaels
0: and I think it was JR who said like one last act of defiance and then there's the finish Yep, I love that line from JR. One final act of defiance last act of defiance.
1: Man, it's making me miss Shawn Michaels.
0: <laughs> but this is really making me miss Shawn Michaels.
1: And it's also making me think it's like, wow, that that match was like eight years ago, nine years ago.
0: Yeah. Well, ten. Ten years ago. It,
1: uh, oh yeah, and, yeah. That was and, the start. That was the start of the decade. In
0: April, it was ten. It was ten years ago.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, since that was both of our number 6s um going to our number 5s. My number 5 is Daniel Bryan versus Dave Batista versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 30. Not a bad choice. Not a bad one. Yeah. So, I was contemplating picking between this and then Triple H versus Daniel Bryan. Triple H versus I mean, th- you could you could have you could have thrown them both in
1: because the first match leads into this match.
0: It does. Um I almost picked Brian versus Triple H in this because the match itself was probably much better but right. the everything that led up to this moment everything that led up to Brian finally winning the championship from being screwed over at SummerSlam screwed over at the following paper, uh, the next two pay-per-views not even being considered to put in the Royal Rumble and due to real life actions of the fans the company changed their entire sh- mania weekend, stru- their entire mania structure, their entire show for this person—a guy who was getting stone cold Steve Austin-like reactions when he was coming to the ring. The yes chant mm-hmm. was everywhere. I, We—I talked about this with Joe about Daniel Bryan that it was everywhere. You could not deny how over this guy was.
1: You could. His his yes chants were everywhere. After, after that whole thing, it was everywhere. You can you couldn't go to anywhere without anybody or any you couldn't go to any sporting event without somebody doing the yes chant.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely you couldn't. Brian, to me, I, I bl- had him I believe I had him on my list of ten best wrestlers in the decade because you cannot deny how amazing he is. You can't. He, he can do just about anything and the moment, like when they hit that RKO Batista bomb spot, and you th- and you were get- the crowd was booing. Everybody's getting upset. Like, no, this can't end this way. Brian like starts like no other way to describe it, but hulking up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when he's getting all crazy and he's punching the referees, he's punching the doctors, he's getting in back in the ring, hitting those uh, the yes kicks on Brian and Randy, and. I thought maybe he would have won this match by, like, tapping out Randy Orton or pinning Randy Orton. Right, he, but not
1: the he, Royal Rumble winner, Batista.
0: He tapped out Batista. He <laughs> tapped out Batista. And I'm like, wow. Like, they put him over huge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, there was no way they couldn't leave this WrestleMania without him winning the title. Right. It was the perfect story that they didn't want to happen. As much as they want to make you think now that oh yeah, this w- we wanted to do this. No, you didn't. You did not want to put this man in the main event. You wanted Batista versus Randy Orton, right? Which would have been. I a- mean, every- go ahead. I mean,
1: everybody, everybody's seen the uh, leaked photos that are the photo that CM Punk has put out recently of the that what was the projected WrestleMania? Yes. 30 card.
0: On his Instagram story, he had the original sheet at the time what the plan was. He was supposed to face Triple H. Batista was supposed to face Randy Orton for the title. Bryan was supposed to face Sheamus. When like when those reports came out, and I'm like, the reported plan for Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania is Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan. And even in a little uh, documentary thing, I something on the network I saw, Brian even said himself when Vince called me into his office about his Wrestlemania my Wrestlemania plans he said I'd like you to face Sheamus he's like and I'm like oh god he's like like, I've been facing Sheamus for like the past three manias yeah or or i I faced Sheamus for for uh, a mania before it's it's happening he had a dark they had a dark match with the US title 27 they had the, the infamous match of 28 it would just be too much it would be boring yeah, but it's great that that they changed their plans, and it led to one of the just similar to Kofi winning the title, just one of the best moments of of the decade. You know? Yeah.
1: But anyway, what what's your number five, John? My number five was Taker and Triple H from WrestleMania Twenty. WrestleMania Twenty Eight. Yeah. Okay. The second one. Okay, so
0: you can go more into detail yes.
1: about your thoughts on that match. Well, we've covered most of it, but, but the whole storytelling of pretty much that third that third one being pretty much also the fourth match but that take Undertaker has had with a member of DX in the past four years. He went four in a row facing the two the two founding members of DX. <laughs> based off of and then you look at you look at the way it started with Triple H for, for WrestleMania twenty seven. They first, they first put that match together for WrestleMania 27 just by solely looking at each other and not saying a single word. Just one of the- that started that that started that match. That was one of the best promos that they had that year, and so one of the best probably in the decade where you can have two of the two of the goats of the company just stare at each other for 10 minutes, look at a banner, look back at each other, and it just told the whole story just by looking at their eyes.
0: I loved that segment when they set up that match for Mania 27. I remember watching that Raw. Taker comes back. Triple H comes back. Like, they, like you said, they don't even say a word. They just look at the Mania sign. Yep. And that's that. The match is set. I'm like, that was amazing. They just had they had the audience in the palm of their hands that night just by showing up.
1: Yep. And Triple H just stepping back, hitting the chop. Taker just doing whatever Taker, whatever Taker does because he'll do anything just did, going to that.
0: He did like the roll in the eyes and then the thumb to the to the throat. I think he did. That's
1: what I figured off the top of my head but I, I couldn't couldn't remember it actually, but then yeah, yes, yeah, so it started with that and then it just rolls over into WrestleMania 28. And the one line in WrestleMania 28 that got me that just put me over the top of that was when Triple H was holding the sledgehammer looking at Shawn and Taker just looked beat down and Triple H just looks at Shawn and was just like "End it, Shawn, or I will."
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that line. Just
1: just Shawn Michaels sitting in the corner just like, stop, I don't want to do I don't want this match to go on any further. I, the, you're both res- well respected, I both respect both of you. Your Triple H pretty much being his brother to Taker, being one of his best best opponents in his career. Triple H just looking at Shawn and just physically yelling at him while holding the sledgehammer end it or I will. It was just like, oh Triple H is beaten Taker. And then as soon as he turns around and just hits him with a tombstone and then it's over. And then it was over shortly after. It was was just, oh my God.
0: It was great in-ring action and even better storytelling in the ring.
1: Yes. Even
0: better storytelling, which something that is so lost today on the main roster WWE product. It's so lost. And this was one of the last really amazing WrestleMania matches with storytelling in it. You know, yeah. There's only a handful of stuff that I can think of that was just made me go, that had me on the edge of my seat, and this was one of them. I, I remember being a, I was a senior in high school when this match happened, this match WrestleMania happened, and I was hooked, and I was I was fully back into wrestling at this point. Yeah, I, I was gone for about like maybe about a year or so, but.
1: And then, then just the post match of them just walking, all three of them walking up the ramp together, mm-hmm. all three of them just holding each other up, and Triple H just stand, stand, like just being held, physically being held up between Taker and Shawn. And they're just like, we took it yeah, all. In. We did it. We they we accomplished took something. Took it all in, and they just all all three of them looked at each other, the big group hugging. It was just like, yeah, we we did this.
0: Did you um? Uh, excuse me. <sighs> uh. I didn't finish this, but did you happen to see the Broken Skull Sessions with Taker?
1: I've I've, well, I've tried to watch it several times, and I've fallen asleep several times. <laughs> I I've watched, fallen asleep during it several times. I,
0: I've watched a little bit of it. I didn't finish it yet, but uh, Austin had up on the screen that picture from that match, and he asked him, was that planned? He's like, and I believe, if I, if I remember, I've only seen this once, uh, it's just like that. No, that wasn't necessarily planned. I was just—we were just kind of all taking it all in, and you know, taking everything that we that we did in the match and what we accomplished. And it was—it was just instinct, I guess. Kind of paraphrasing what yeah. Taker said, but that that yeah, w- initial yeah. moment wasn't necessarily planned.
1: Yeah, and you you look at that match. Arguably, that's one of the best matches on the card, considering they also had to go up against The Rock and John Cena for the first time.
0: A huge, huge built match, but and to me, I will say was the best match on that card. Absolutely, best match on that card.
1: Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Um, like not not taking anything away from the Rock and Cena, the match was great, but you guys just didn't have the proper storytelling. Like Taker and Taker and Triple H did with Shawn Michaels.
0: I mean, there was a longer build in there. I mean, I don't even know if that was necessarily the point. Uh, To build to those four particular matches with that one story being rooted in there, but it's just but you got to give that credit to him because it was this long story that all intertwined with each other, right? Um, But yeah, we've talked about this one a lot. Um, This was your number five.
1: Yep, that was my number five. Moving on to number four.
0: Okay, number four. My number four is AJ Styles. Versus Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 10. Thought I was going to say Mania? Thought I was going to say Money in the Bank? No. (laughs) Even though Money in the Bank match was great. Mania Mania match wasn't good. The Battleground match was even worse. Anyway, this was the match where when I looked back, when I went backtrack with New Japan stuff, and I thought... And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, I want to see Nakamura, some of Nakamura's stuff from when he was in New Japan. I want to see some of AJ's stuff when he was in New Japan. And this was insane. And, oh. and I'll rem- and I'll say this. I watched this with Japanese commentary. The Japanese... yeah,
1: you, ha- you, ha- you have to. I was watching the match the other day. I was showing my buddy at work the Will Ospreay stuff from Wrestle Kingdom this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was like,
1: the only thing that... The one thing that's making this so great is how hyped these Japanese announcers are, and you have no clue what they're saying.
0: Now, typically, I don't watch New Japan commentary, uh, New Japan matches uh, with Japanese commentary. Um, this is the only one I ever did. Because, uh, because, one, it was the only quality, it was the only good quality of the match that was on YouTube, and that was it. I'm like, alright, I'm just gonna watch it. This was insane. Again, like, similar to his match with Sami Zayn. This was, like, Nakamura was the guy in New Japan. He was the guy. He was the face of that entire company. AJ Styles, one of the best, and arguably the best wrestler in the world at that time. Just him and Nakamura just kicking the crap out of each other. Yeah, like, it was... Their last match at a Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan.
1: Yeah, for both of them.
0: Well, Nakamura, I think, had one more match. I think he defended the title against uh, the Intercontinental title against Kenny Omega, and then he went to,
1: to NXT, I believe. Uh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom was in January. Nakamura didn't show up till April. Yes. So because it was right before Mania.
0: So I remember just being so hyped, listening to these Japanese commentators just going absolutely nuts. And one thing I thought to myself was, if these guys get so crazy and so hyped about this match, and granted it was an amazing match, as they should, why can't main roster WWE do that? You know, anybody? I don't know, but it show it show it proved this was just one of the many reasons why this match proved to me that AJ Styles was the best, in the, like at least for twenty sixteen, AJ Styles was the best in the world. The best wrestler in the world going against arguably again another best in the world contender and i think aj uh, forgive me it's been a while since i've seen this match
1: yeah it's been a while for me too but That's, but i like we only got a few more and i i still have this one up there
0: all right and we'll get more into it when we when we get to your spot um but i remember seeing this This was the first match that I'd ever seen with New Japan. And I thought to myself, I have to see more. I have to find more. I have to find more Nakamura matches. I have to find more AJ Styles matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: I said the same thing.
0: uh, Nakamura hitting that Kinshasa onto AJ. Just nearly killing him. Yeah. I can't remember the name of Nakamura's original name for that finisher. Do you remember?
1: No, nice. I do
0: not. I can't remember. I can't remember. But like, just the Japanese guys going ballistic when he hit that when he hit the finish. I think it was the, the back of the head too. Most likely, I believe so too. And. Sorry, I can't give. Again, I'm sorry I can't give too much more <laughs> to this match. All I I, just, I have it on here because I'm thinking about in the moment of when I watched it and the significance of that these two are the, two of the best wrestlers in the world and that it was this match that made me get into New Japan and that made me realize how great New Japan is. And it only got better from that point to the point it where did. New Japan is arguably. This, the number two in the entire world of pro wrestling.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Well, that was a horrible description of this match. <laughs> but, but anyway, you, what's you your You did number? what you could with I, it. What I, you had. I did with the, what I could with my memory. I've been up since 6 a.m. I'm tired. Uh, Anyway, go ahead. What's your number four?
1: My number four was the accumulated matches that Okada and Omega had because just the it, fact that they had four of them going tied they they were tied at a win a loss and a tie going into that fourth battle it it was just hard because all four of them were just hard foot battles
0: yeah if you have to pick one i have one of their matches on here but if you had to pick one what is it
1: the draw the draw really The draw the draw they went out there for they went out there for almost for for an hour for almost an hour and just fought and fought and fought. They put their bodies into it, and neither of them could get the pinfall. That right there. Because by that time, each one had already had a win and a loss. So now you're going into the rubber match, now it's a tie, and now it's like, oh, God, now we need another rubber match to break this. What could we possibly do after going an hour-long draw?
0: I believe the first one, Okada had won. Then was the draw, and then the G1... Omega beat Okada wasn't for the title but he beat Okada in the G1 and then eventually their match Dominion happened but
1: okay so I had my timing off but still either way the draw was my best one because arguably Okada being obviously now New Japan's front man their John Cena so to say against Kenny Omega who's that up and coming guy but still getting out there the draw was the best one they both just beat the living crap out of each other and just laid there and neither of them getting the pinfall. I remember that
0: match watching it and I thought to myself, I see this and it just left me wanting more. It, want, it made me want Kenny to win the title that much more. And yeah. I thought, this has to lead to him winning the title eventually. And at that point, it turned Kenny babyface. Yeah. It turned that whole elite version of the Bullet Club babyface with the exception of Cody. Cody was still like he he could still be like do great heel work even though these guys were super over as as good guys. Yeah. Um I remember like the whole Bullet Club was out there. They they tied in the story of of Cody like he he saw that Kenny was like really like uh just tired and he couldn't do it. He started throwing the towel and the bucks and everybody trying to stop. He's like he can't go on. He can't go on. But really as you saw later on that year Cody wanted the title for himself. He wanted to face Okada's title. Which then later led on to great matches between Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes. But the draw for me was an amazing match. Not the one I put on here. But honestly you can't go wrong with any of the Okada Omega matches. You can't go wrong with any of them just because they were that good. Yeah. But, um. and I'm losing my train of thought. This is our number four, correct?
1: Yes, that was yeah. our number four. All
0: right. I'm, I'm having, uh, I think I've asked you every single time. This is our number one, <laughs> six, five, four, three, every single one I've
1: asked you. That's because all these matches, you just think of this match and then it's like, oh, well, it, it had reflection of this one and then it's just all a side story, all these matches. Like you said, it's a lot of matches over the decade we had to watch to put together 10 of the best ones.
0: I think one last thing on this match is my favorite spot from this is Okada was going to go for the Rainmaker and Kenny just collapsed. And then as Okada was going for the Rainmaker, he just collapsed too. And I think that was yeah. the f- closing sequences of the match where they just collapsed to the point where the time limit just, just ended. Yep. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Number three. My number three is CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank.
1: That is my number two.
0: Your number two, huh?
1: My number two. Okay. Um,
0: I guess we can kind of like meld those in together, and then we'll get to your uh, number three right after. Sounds good. So CM Punk for me, I've said many times, is the guy who fully brought me back into wrestling he, I was always a fan of his and I always liked him the 2009-2010 period of wrestling was not easy for me to watch for a few reasons I don't know I just wasn't getting into the product and I was start, kind of starting high school around that time and it wasn't necessarily cool to like wrestling but eventually Punk was the guy the cool guy to bring me back in
1: I was Agreed.
0: I was paying attention here and there, like to that in 2011, But when Punk, when he cut that pipe bomb promo, that's it. I was hooked again. Facts. Ev- everything that was leading up to this, you know, he was supposed to be the heel, but he's going into his hometown of Chicago for the WWE Championship, facing the face of the company, and the whole story of you know of him leaving at midnight. At midnight, I will leave. With the WWE Championship, and he, it was a match that made you be on the edge of your seat. You genuinely did not know what was going to happen. Was Cena just going to win again? Was Punk finally going to do it? Was Punk finally going to win the championship in his hometown? And was he going to leave the WWE with the championship? You genuinely did not know. Yep.
1: For a few years, I had been out of the rest. I had stopped watching wrestling, and then I think it was it was Punk's punk and jericho's match at WrestleMania at wrestlemania 28 that got me back into wrestling and when i saw that match and seeing the storyline between punk and jericho i was like yeah punk's punk's the guy because i was always a huge stone cold fan so when i started when i watched that saw punk's attitude i was like okay went back and saw his other stuff that my buddy had showed me saw the pipe bomb speech and then i saw this match i was like i really wish i had known about this like when it would hat when it was going on like I was that into it. I was like, that pipe-bomb speech and then that match of him just saying, I'm going to take your title. I don't have a contract. I'm taking your title and I'm leaving. was just, it was great. And like you said, during the whole match too, it was like, is Punk still going to walk, or is Cena going to still walk away with the title because that's John Cena, or is Punk finally going to be that guy to do it? And even towards the end of the match, you see John, John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon walking down the ramp. Not only to, did, to pull to pull a Michaels to pull a Michaels Bret Hart again.
0: Not only did he he beat he beat the top guy, but he escaped a cash in.
1: Yeah, the money in the to, bank cash in. From,
0: from he escaped a screw job from from uh, from Del Rio, who was the briefcase holder on Raw at the time.
1: He ex- did, and, if you think about, it, he escaped two screw jobs.
0: Yeah, in one match, and Cena was the one who helped with the first one. He's like, no, 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 we ain't gonna do it like that. Punk, yeah, we're going out punk,
1: we're we're finishing this on my terms.
0: Punk grabs him, GTS, wins the title. And if you talk about enormous eruption of a reaction coming to the ring and leaving the building.
1: I mean, oh, just just running through the crowd, him sitting on the barricade holding the title, smiling at Vince McMahon and blowing, blowing him the, the kiss, coast.
0: goodbye. Running no.
1: out of running through the crowd out of the arena into a taxi straight back to his apartment. And leaving all of his gear in the back just driving t- taxiing it straight home
0: and throwing his and throwing the championship <laughs> in his fridge
1: <laughs> <laughs> throwing the title in the fridge taking a picture of it and being like eh i got something nice might as well put it somewhere
0: <laughs> it, it, it just it solidified punk was the guy to change wrestling and make it fun again and make people want to be invested in wrestling again and yes. my buddy Joe said that to him, he put Punk as wrestler of the decade. He and wow, only beca- he says he's like he's like the reason why I have him up here is because he changed the landscape for everything. He changed everything in wrestling, not just WWE wrestling in general. He's like I don't think we'd have the the not only the places to work, guys and girls to work, the amount of matches, and just things that we have today if it was not for CM Punk and I can't argue against him because I mean to quote the guy he changed the culture yeah of wrestling and he brought a lot of fans back and he made a lot of fans stay I was one of them yeah you and I are are proven facts
1: he dragged me back into it
0: and it just goes to show that at the time we may have not been crazy about John Cena, as a wrestler, because at that time it was Super Cena. He was the guy. Every he was pushed there, pushing the moon, and we couldn't stand John Cena. When you look yep. back now, when Cena's not around anymore,
1: Cena was actually really good. Kind of missed the guy a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I you, to say it. I miss Cena every you, once in a while. You
0: genuinely miss John Cena. It's because you know. It's because you have too much of a good thing. Having too much of a yeah. good thing, and th- there you go.
1: We took John Cena for granted
0: we did really. <laughs> but <laughs> I felt like um, these were the guys who were helping keep WWE afloat. These two, yeah,
1: especially especially at a great time in WWE where it was like you guys' storylines are really are really really crap. I mean, you guys don't have big name wrestlers. You don't. Just storylines are just crap. Punk. It was just the whole fact of Bron- Punk breaking that fourth wall. From that pipe bomb speech leading up to that Money in the Bank match.
0: Hey, Cole Cabana, how you doing?
1: <laughs> being us, being the people that are shoving his, the, these souvenir cups and these magazines in his face at four o'clock in the morning in the airport, <laughs> and the fact the that the whole he, thing was just great.
0: The fact that he was name dropping places like Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was unheard of at the time. Now they'll oh, yeah, now they'll name drop. They'll name drop New Japan and IWGP and and Ring of Honor all the time now, but at the time, I mean, for
1: for crying out loud, they even they even name drop Impact.
0: Well, not in that promo,
1: right? Well, punked in it, but them just just the fact that they're now being more open with everybody else too.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Punk the...
1: breaking that fourth wall, leading to everybody else being like, okay, there is other wrestling out there,
0: but apparently. WWE worked out a deal so they could show impact match or well, TNA matches when they do like specials. Like they had like Kurt Angle and AJ Styles and Samoa Joe for like a table for three episode uh, episode. And they were yes. showing their matches that they had in TNA. I think if Punk had Punk said something about TNA in that promo, it, it would have been over it the moon. It, it would have really changed <laughs> things. But what he did, how he said it, how he delivered it leading to this match with Cena just the best moment in his career, honestly.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: So, let's move on to your number three.
1: Alright, my number three was Undertaker and Lesnar from WrestleMania 30.
0: Alright, so we talked a little bit about this off mic. And I expressed to you that I was not a fan of this match. But right. you, have a, you have a compelling argument and give, give your reasons why you think this was one of the best matches of the decade and why you have it so high on your list
1: it what well, one part is it's the nostalgia fact everybody grew up with the Undertaker uh, with the Undertaker everybody knew the Undertaker had this grey Wrestlemania streak we may have all wanted it to break with Punk the year before but with Lesnar breaking it that year it was just okay and it was the fact that they wanted the Brock the, the Brock Lesnar we know now all started from that match it's Greg, very we true. may not like we may not like Brock Lesnar now because he's here, he's there, he's this guy, he's that guy. But the Brock Lesnar we have now is because of that match. And I hate to say it as much as I as much as I, I am a big Brock Lesnar fan and him being in and out is just questionable. I still love it. I still love the fact that he's still in the business. He's, he's in and out. Still like I'm still the top guy. I'm I do what I want. But like I've been saying, the Brock the Brock Lesnar we have now are just starting his dominance started there. Just him just manhandling the, the Undertaker who always has who always figures out a way to win at WrestleMania just could not overcome the straight brute brute brutality of Brock Lesnar.
0: If you're looking at it as an overall match quality in ring work, it wasn't the best of matches. There and these guys have shown before that they can have much, much better matches. Taker oh, was yeah. Taker was just, you know, he was he got concussed like hard in this match and i think what was more important from this was the actual moment of brock w- beating taker and right breaking there. breaking the streak which nobody saw coming the nobody the arena was silent there were no booze it was it was just silence i remember seeing a video on youtube or uh, just a friend of mine I used to work with went to that WrestleMania and he posted a video he's like this is something I have never experienced before
1: at the show. Yeah, cuz you you think of that match and like you said the complete the complete silence of that match. Only two people knew going into that match who was winning. Lesnar and Taker were the only two and Vince McMahon were the only people who knew. Halfway through the match, that was when the ref was like that was, that was when Vince told the ref, "Hey, Lesnar's going over." Paul Heyman didn't know who is the advocate for Brock Lesnar. He had no. He didn't know. So, like you said, the complete silence. And the only two images you can think of after that, after the three count, was Paul Heyman's face in the corner, and that one guy in the crowd. Referee. That one, that one black eye in the crowd. That was just like oh.
0: <laughs> who is who is the you're thinking, you're, oh my you god think of the, you who think of is that the, guy
1: in Paul Heyman's face after who, that three count? That
0: the uh, what they call it, the, Undertaker yeah, the, the, under, meme, the Undertaker guy. He was the meme. He was the meme of the year.
1: The meme of the year. And you know what? He's probably up there for meme of the decade. That was a good meme.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was going to say that referees nowadays are... They're instructed to call the match, at least in WWE, like a shoot. And... Yeah. They know... And I think, like you said, the referee didn't know up until towards the after the fact or whatever that Brock was winning. Could you imagine being that referee... You called the three count. Imagine it was wrong, and you were the reason why this happened, and that wasn't planned. Yep. But, but I think once he saw like the 21 and one graphic on the screen, it's like, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah. This, this, this is real.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure WWE's has done, 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 done a bunch of their specials. I think Paul Heyman did an interview when they said there was only several people going into that match that knew Lesnar was going over, and it was going to shock the world. I mean, it surely did. Vince good. knew, Taker knew, and Lesnar knew, and that was it.
0: It led to one of the more shocking moments in wrestling history and WrestleMania histories. And yeah, but we also had to know at that point if Brock beat, broke the streak, then Brian surely had to be winning because there was no way you're going to send them home, send them home so disappointed when that happened. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna have the mo- You're not gonna have a lot of a lot of fans have been watching for probably just as long as the taker streak's been going on. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, taker lost. And, How, well, and, we're going and, home all. De- and, we're gonna go home all depressed.
0: And Brian's losing
1: too. Yeah, then Batista walks out as the world heavyweight champion.
0: That would've been horrible. But thank God, I didn't end up like that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got our storybook ending. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, twice in one night. <laughs> anyway.
0: Uh, For me, it was more of a better moment than a match. I think the moment itself is still a huge, huge impact. But uh, from a a match standpoint, it wasn't my favorite, and I wasn't crazy about it. But, um, But you give a compelling, strong argument. So moving on to number two. We're getting closer to the end here. My number two is Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada at Dominion 2018, the match where Omega finally beat okada for the title like we said earlier there was one win from omega one win from okada the draw and all led to this a two out of three falls match
1: with no time limit
0: no time limit and the match lasted over an hour i believe the final time was like maybe like an hour maybe a little over 10 minutes or something like that
1: I was actually just watching a video about it today but then when they said two out of three falls and they waved the timeline because they were like, "Some somebody has to win. We need this. I believe they said the match went almost 65 minutes. Yes, I believe it so, was. So, ju- so just over an hour.
0: It was... When you look back at Omega and Okada's matches, you think to yourself, there's no way they can top the G1. There's no way they can top... Dominion last year. There's no way they can, yeah. they can top Wrestle Kingdom 11. They, yeah. they did. They topped all three of them. In my opinion, they topped all three of those matches. For a match that was a little over an hour, it had me hooked. I was just like... Most people, when you tell them a match is like an hour, they're not going to want to watch it. Like my, my best friend, he does not want to want to watch wrestling match if it's more than like 30 minutes or 40 minutes or something like that. He won't watch it for like, if it's like for like an hour. He just won't do it. But
1: how- sometimes you just gotta put that time in because those those could be the best matches.
0: Well, he's not really a big of a wrestling fan anymore. <laughs> so whatever. Um and just what Okada and Omega were able to do to keep the people hooked throughout this match and to just try and keep to try and like even try to outdo what they've done previously because yeah to to a lot of wrestling fans and to Dave Meltzer this this is the greatest <laughs> wrestling rivalry of all time now that is one man's opinion and you can surely argue that it is one of if not the best wrestling rivalry ever Th- they have the matches to prove it the fact <laughs> that I mean it was the it was the match to break Davey Boy's star ratings even more giving it 7 stars <laughs> when originally the star ratings were were at 5. Yeah. So, to Dave Meltzer, this is the greatest wrestling match ever. The greatest rivalry ever. It's one man's opinion, but but to me even though is at my number two, there is one more match that I have that I personally think was my match of the decade. And I'll get more into that in a little bit. But this, for me, was everything that you could ever want from a match from New Japan. It was everything you could ever want from Okada and Omega. Just... The sheer—you really wanted Kenny Omega to finally win the championship and finally beat this seemingly unbeatable, dominant champion in Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. And when and when he finally won, I, I popped huge.
1: I was like, "Yes, he finally did it." Even I did. I was laying in my bed watching. I was like, "Yes, for the fourth try, the fourth time's the best." I thought that. I mean, I was hooked because I want—I
0: really wanted Kenny to win at Wrestle Kingdom 11. I remember watching it, but this was so well done, so well executed. Two of the best wrestlers in the world, and they put yeah. on—and they instantly beat all their other previous contests that they've had before. They did, and you can argue that Okada is the best in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, watching Wrestle Kingdom 14 this past weekend. A lot of wrestling, uh, but that'll be. I,
1: I, I still gotta watch Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. I have not. I didn't get a chance to watch oh, it. Oh my god, dude, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Look,
0: me personally, I skipped all the eight man and multi man tag matches. I just got to the big titles, uh, the bigger like singles and tag matches.
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen the highlights. Like I've I've saw that the uh, sequence in the uh, Osprey match. Oh my god, the Ospre- of him going up and over, then trying then going for the German, flipping that, running, into go back through the ropes, over the top. Osprey and Takahashi killed oh. it oh I saw the highlights they did real quick from what I, from what I saw in that match
0: real quickly my favorite matches from that weekend were Osprey Takahashi uh Okada and Ibushi uh Naito and Okada and uh John
1: moxley and Lance archer
0: oh and Jericho tanahashi
1: yeah I gotta I gotta get I gotta get me some of that wrestle Kingdom 14 in watch it dude it's great
0: Anyway, what is your number 2?
1: Well, we already covered my number 2, which was Punk Cena for Money in the Bank. Ah. <laughs> Remember we kind of mingled those in together. Okay. Oh so yeah, we'll that's that's
0: right. With. That's right. Uh, then then we'll you go. know what? What's your what's your number 1 then?
1: My number 1 is Styles and Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom 10. Okay. Cuz that was the that was the first match from New Japan that I had seen. That was the first New Japan oh, we match. Got, I we got that before. in common. Yeah, it was the first match I saw. Watched it in Japanese commentary and I, I didn't base it off of a storyline or anything cuz I didn't know what the hell was going on. I just based off like the pure athleticism that AJ Styles and Nakamura had in that match and the fact that they were able to beat the crap out of each other that much but still be able to pull off those high spot moves when they needed to. That it, that that just that put me over the top. Like that for me the like when people were saying that's probably the best wrestling match They'd ever seen, and probably in like the history of the business, it's up there. Like that's, they really went out there and threw everything they had at each other.
0: It's for sure up there. Uh, you could argue one of New Japan's greatest matches in their history. One of absolutely AJ, one of AJ Styles' best and Nakamura's best matches in their respective history and careers. And it, it you can say it did help bring a lot of fans into New Japan because. We are, again, like, pumping us back. AJ and Nakamura brought us into New Japan. It, exactly. And it was their last really big, high-profile matches in the company as they went on to WWE.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it was one of AJ Styles' very last matches because, what, a few weeks after that? Boom, surprise, surprise, entry number three.
0: Yeah, the the following night New Year's dash, he was kicked out of the Bullet Club by the Bucks and Omega and then the rest of the Bullet Club beat him up. And then like again, a few weeks later he shows up at the Rumble. I'm like, oh I'm my like, yep. Jesus Christ. Like you, you were like I know like I remember reading him, like he was just in Japan for their this big show. And now he's here already at number 3?
1: Yeah. And I hadn't I didn't, I hadn't known he had went to Japan after after TNA and Ring of Honor like that, so when he showed up at the Rumble, I was like, "Oh, AJ Styles from TNA, from Impact. All right, cool." And I knew, so I had I hadn't know I hadn't known about Wrestle Kingdom ten yet.
0: Yeah, I I knew style again. I was not a big TNA kid growing up. I didn't watch too much TNA, but I knew Samoa Joe, I knew AJ Styles, and I, I knew a lot of these guys from from TNA, yeah. the TNA days. And like, I was so excited. I'm like, AJ Styles is in the top WWE. Holy crap. I lost my mind when he showed up. One thing that should have happened... <laughs> you remember when, like, it was Roman? Because it was supposed to be, like, Roman was defending the title that night in the Rumble? Yeah. And then they were showing Reigns. The crowd was going huge. You couldn't see it. It was popping huge. And then Reigns is just like, what? what? Who is this? <laughs> like Reigns is like,
1: just standing in the corner like, Who, who is this guy?
0: He's just, like like playing dumb like who's AJ Styles like who the hell is this like come on man AJ Styles yeah. everybody knows who AJ is. if you're a wrestling fan you know who AJ Styles is you know yeah, who you all know, you
1: all know of each other somehow
0: come on you know who AJ Styles is don't dumb, dumbfound, uh, be dumbfounded like oh who's this like cause the, the the camera was supposed to pan over and it was supposed to be the big screen it says I am phenomenal and that's what the crowd was popping for instead we had Roman looking stupid yeah. But did not take away from how great this match was. And again, we're going back to Wrestle Kingdom 10, not the Royal Rumble 2016. But it goes to a credit of just how good AJ Styles is. Guy yeah. has one of the best matches of his career, and then he shows up, and he lasts a long time in that Rumble, did he not?
1: Yeah, I think he lasted he last well into the 20s. I think eventually he got eliminated by Kevin Owens shortly into the 20s.
0: Yeah, I remember Owens went, Welcome to WWE! And then threw him over. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah, so... I
0: can't argue that... Well, actually, I can argue that's not the best mess, uh, best match of the decade. Fair, t- fair credit to you that it is your number one. But not my yeah, number one. My number one. Is Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa... NXT TakeOver New Orleans. This match. I'm surprised you didn't have any of their matches on your list. I'm really surprised. I, I mean,
1: I had them in my honorable mentions. I had, I had I had Gargano and Champ in there.
0: I watching this, I was a big fan of DIY and the Revivals Tag stuff. Champa turning heel. Planting the seeds. I'm like, just no one really kind of knew how huge this rivalry was going to be. Yeah. I, me- I remember watching their cruiserweight classic match, thinking to myself, "If this was a feud, it would be one of the best feuds in NXT's history."
1: It, and could- wasn't, it just could- fr- wasn't just the wasn't this the first two meeting, the first meeting between the both of them after the breakup because. Champa had what double knee surgery or something like that.
0: The surgery was surgery. The story was yes, Champa had to get knee surgery. He came back after Philadelphia when he lost when Gargano lost the uh, the championship match to Andrade in Philadelphia. Champa had returned and he kept being a thorn in Gargano's side. He cost Gargano his career because Gargano said, "If I can't beat you, I'll leave NXT," saying to, to Andrade. Referee was down. Champa came in beat up Gargano Andrade took advantage and Gargano was gone kayfabe from NXT and the crowd kept chanting Johnny Wrestling to Champa. Champa would just he, he'd have these moments where he'd come in the ring he doesn't say anything no entrance music people saying "F you, Champa. I'm censoring myself here uh right he and to the one point I think one of the last things he one of the first things he uttered in the microphone when he came back was his gone! Talking about Gargano he's gone! And then you see some dude with a Gargano sign, there's Johnny Gargano in full sail and they just start beating the crap out of each other people wanted to see this match it was later made an unsanctioned match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa leading to the main event of NXT TakeOver New Orleans, now it was the match with the most build, the most story and for sure deserved to main event, I did not expect it to main event the match was as followed. It was an unsanctioned match. No rules. Anything goes. If Gargano loses, he leaves. He's gone from NXT forever. And Champa and is finally rid of Johnny Gargano. This was the most personal match in this rivalry. It was the first of this big rivalry. And... Honestly, it was the most invested I've probably ever been in a wrestling match this decade. Yeah. Because I was so worried that they were going to bring Gargano up to 205 Live and just ruin him.
1: Completely ruin his character.
0: Exactly. And the fact that he won, he there was that moment of... Calling back to the cruiserweight champion, uh, cruiserweight champion, cruiserweight classic match where they're both sitting next to each other. I'm like, no, Gargano, no, don't, you're you're gonna fall for it again. Where they're both sitting down, trying to get the champ against the arm over Gargano. And Champa tricks; he tries to trick him. Gargano doesn't let him. Gets the knee brace and is using the knee brace on Champa's face. He used the knee brace as a weapon on Champa's yep. surgically repaired knee, and he gets. Champa to submit. The story of this match. Again, I was so emotionally invested in this match, and it's the most emotionally invested I've ever been in a match this entire decade. It's my favorite feud that happened this decade. I think it's the best in NXT's history. Arguably, it's the best in WWE's history. And it just put NXT to that new level of that class of, of people that were in there with guys like Gargano and Champa, Pete Dunne, yeah. the Undisputed Era, Alistair Black, Ricochet, uh, all these amazing, amazing guys are all here. And even though the end of this story was supposed to be Champa and Gargano at TakeOver New York, WrestleMania weekend this pa- uh, last year, and yeah. even though it was Cole Gargano, still an amazing match. To me, I just think the Champa Gargano story was just such a personal, amazing story that to me, it was my match of the decade. I, I, again, it was a match that I cannot remember another match where I was so emotionally invested and on the edge of my seat, not knowing what was going to happen.
1: And, yeah, and who and who knows? Maybe that Gargano Champa storyline could pick up, pick back up. It
0: can. There's still, it's possible. You know, you never know. Maybe Cole drops the title to Champa, and they do it at uh, Takeover Tampa Bay uh, this year, or they have Champa just go all the way to Tampa Bay and face Cole, and that's when Champa finally wins the title back. You could do either one of those stories, but yeah, they're both baby faces right now. You're not exactly sure what one's going to do with the other, but. We eventually do want to see these guys tear it up one last time. At least for a long time. Because, unfortunately, we didn't get the fin- the, the proper finish to that story. Right. Even, even still. To me, that was my match of the decade. I think Gargano is one of the best wrestlers in the world. NXT's best wrestler ever. That's right, I said that. I think Gargano is NXT's best wrestler Ever. That's how I will good agree he,
1: with I will, I will agree with that. That's how I'll good. I'll agree with that statement too.
0: That is how good he is. I remember Brian Alvarez uh, posted something on Twitter after his match with Ricochet at uh, Phoenix last year, take over Phoenix. He said Johnny Gargano is the Japanese Okada uh, is the American Okada. I'm like, you know what? It's I'm not gonna argue that. Bold, but I like it. Yeah. Anyway, we finally got through all these this whole list, both of our lists.
1: Got through them all.
0: <laughs> this, uh, I believe, lasted uh, less than uh, with me and my buddy Joe. My buddy Joe, I think that one like lasted almost two hours. Actually, this one, Gee, could. this wow, one, this one could have. I don't know. I very well don't know. I'm, I don't know what <laughs> up is up is down, left is right. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted. Anyway, <laughs> agreed. Anyway, agreed. Thank you, John, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for wrapping up this uh, last. Uh, special episode I have going out.
1: No problem. Thanks uh, for having me for the best matches of the decade.
0: Of course, you're always welcome. Um, anyway, we'll be back uh, probably next week uh, recapping everything that's going on. Uh, what last of stuff that was happening on NXT and AEW alone this week. Definitely want to get more into that. Um, be sure to listen to us on uh, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you can find your podcasts on. We like us on Facebook at the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast. And follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. For myself, CJ Palmisano, my good buddy John Cummings, we'll see you all next time.